Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours talking sports. Uh, the BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this today. Following a couple of our conversations yesterday uh, regarding, was it Scott Dockerman we were talking force majeure with? Yes, I believe so. I think it was, too. Yeah. Uh, we with a, uh, we asked Doc if he's heard anything regarding because there's speculation out there that the Power Five schools that canceled games see that as Pac Pac twelve and Big Ten against uh, non conference opponents would they be forced uh, to to write that check? The commissioner of the MAC believes that mm-hmm. he's getting paid. Uh, we'll see. I didn't think he had a leg to stand on, but either you or Doc brought it up. Well. You know, if they happen to move a Big Ten game to the date that the canceled game was originally scheduled to be played, maybe that changes the dynamic. So we're going to get an attorney in here, Nate Bolton, State Senator Nate Bolton, when we have a legal issue regarding sports and we need clarity, which is all the time, we go to Nate Bolton. And we're not very us. good at this. No, we're not. Uh, he'll join us at 1020. Hopefully we'll ask the right questions, and Nate will give us uh, the right answers. Look forward to speaking with him. NFL conversation at 1035, 1040-ish with Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Some news in the NFL. It looks as though the Players Association, who a uh, orchestrated Twitter effort. Did you see that over the weekend? Yes. One after another, yeah. let us play. Hashtag, uh, we want to play whatever it was as it uh, came to a head that, yeah, there's training camps opening on uh, Monday or Tuesday, and we have no idea how what are they going to look like. So, uh, anyways, uh, deadlines got things done. Uh, no preseason games, Trent. By the sounds of things, they're out. Going to go right into league play. What's it going to look like? Well, the week one games are going to be sloppy. A little choppier than you're anticipating at the very least. Right. They'll be fine, though. It's football. I'm not going to complain. No, Week one mind. could be garbage. Right. Run around, route, drop, drop a pass, miss a block. Who cares? It'll be the tastiest garbage <laughs> yeah. I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, Bring it on. It sure will. So we'll talk NFL with Frank Schwab coming up at uh, 1035. Uh, there's two teams. Well, there's three. Uh, there's four. And with the White Sox this year, there's five oh. uh, teams that move the needle. Obviously, the Cubs and the Cardinals at the top of that list. Your twin's not far behind. Um, the Cardinals, anyway. But we'll talk uh, Brian Walton from the Cardinal Nation. Our last look, pre, uh, pre-season beginning at the Cardinals with Brian Walton coming up at 11. And then our friend Zuba Mahente will join us at uh, 11.25. And we will go around the world of sports with Zubin. So... First of all, you had a game last night, and uh, a city school advances and knocks out a 4A sports power. Centennial goes down, and the Rough Riders advance. How about that? Yeah, it was a fun one last night up at Ankeny Centennial. And Good those, Crowder, by the way. Oh, it was. Was it? As packed as they can be in there with social distancing mm. and the bleachers that they have closed off and 
every other row and things yep. like that. There were people with their lawn chairs all the way through, up the first and third base side, in the outfield, and even in that street that goes back behind Ankeny yep, Centennial yep. High School there. Was that 36? Well, it's, it's 30. Yeah, it's 36. 36 Street, yeah. yeah. And there were people, I don't know if they weren't let in because there's just a certain amount of people that can get in, uh-huh. or they just didn't want to pay the Is six bucks to get in. I think, well, that's that's the main thoroughfare. Right, yeah. That's the exit on the I interstate. I think there might be a little there small might street be. that kind of cuts behind there. Regardless, there had to be another 50 people sitting out that's there in right good. field just watching the game out there. I mean, this is a baseball season like we've never seen before. Uh-huh. I, I've been covering it for a long time. I, you know my love of calling these high school baseball games. But just going around and, and talking to people, I talked to a couple of uh, the Centennial kids after the game. They fall 5-3, disappointed, and walking out, they left, lost in a tough way, had the bases loaded with one out, looked like it was going to be a sack fly. The runner at second got caught in a rundown, and that ended it. Mm. But uh, tough way to lose, but to a T. At least we got to play. Yeah, good and, for and, them. Good. And that's it's that's been the same thing. And, sure. and I'm sure now with a week, two weeks, three weeks removed for Southeast Polk and for Dowling Catholic, for schools like that that had their seasons cut short because of a positive COVID case, I'm sure they'd still say the same thing. Yeah, you hate to end your season this way, but at least we got the opportunity to go out there for those seniors. Both mm-hmm. Roosevelt and Centennial, two teams that had a lot of seniors on their squad and and uh you knew it was going to end for one of them last night it's a one and done there's right. there's no three game series there's right. no five game series yeah. in high school baseball but they said at least we got to play we That's got to go good. out there and and end your senior year or your last year whatever it is in baseball that way it was really really good to see fun game last night and now Roosevelt advances on and they get oh just the two time defending state champion Urban Neal Jayhawks mm. tomorrow night with a trip to state on the line well, uh, glad that you were there last night, and good for Roosevelt for yeah. extending their season at least by a, by a couple of days. You know, I've always thought that, uh, you know, it's just a sense of finality for these high school baseball mm-hmm. players, right? They've graduated already. Most years they've gone to prom, they've they've walked and they've got their diploma, and then when they get knocked out for their final time, I mean, high school is done. It is. <laughs> They're it's no over. longer high school students I, anymore. I remember my final game of high school baseball in the same way, and then you're just kind of thinking... All right. What's I mean? I was still what a, a month away, I guess, from moving to Iowa City and getting college started. But uh-huh. you're just kind of there in no man's land. Yeah. What's next? And, I think it's the most difficult part part of a adolescent's life. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to college, which is you know, a lot of people here, obviously. See, when I grew up, you didn't go to college. Yeah. You didn't go just to, different time. Yeah. Different time. My the, parents. Were oh, and in Canada for sure, you never yeah. went. Oh, and yeah. if you did, you lived at home. Oh really? Yes, 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 yes. You didn't go anywhere. You you lived at with your parents. There wasn't going to the dorms and no. getting an apartment. And that you kind went of thing. to the University of Manitoba or University of Winnipeg. You drove to school or took the bus to schools. It was just weird. Hmm. Um, but just the finality of just, just boom, it's over. And then you just now what? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where do I go from here? Type of thing. And there's so many kids that I feel bad for them. I feel bad. Anyways, uh, so where are we? So we got Brian Walton and Zuba Mahente is going to join us. You've got high school baseball tonight. Yes, uh, we'll be handing out our first 16 tickets to the state tournament, one A and two A tonight. I will be up in North Polk. That is where Des Moines Christian making their way up there to take on. That's where the game's being played. Yeah, playing at neutral site. They do that okay. for one A and two A. In 4A, it is played at the top seed, gets the uh, chance to host in sub-state. For whatever reason, that's the way they have it set up. Mm -hmm. And they take on the Panthers from Panorama, who upset Woodward Granger last round. So it'll be two teams facing off tonight. We'll have the call 7 o'clock this evening with the Panthers and the Lions. North Polk's a nice little community. It is. It really is. The first That's the first high school venue I was ever at 
for a football game okay. on, on a Friday night. The Comets. I'd never experienced it before, and I have no idea. If, I can't remember why I got there, but I did. <laughs> and it was really, wow, this is what high school football is about. And that was obviously, what, were they 2A? They are 2A, yeah. Um, so anyways, pretty cool. That, that That's my kind of speed. I grew up in a small town. Right. I tried to talk my wife into moving to a community like that or a Van Meter or something uh-huh. like that. Quickly shot down. Really? Uh, yeah, she... She's a city girl. You know, she's from Sioux yeah. City. She likes the big town. Small school just not happening for her. And and there are a lot of opportunities at the bigger schools. I get it. I understand her argument. My small school pride wasn't able to pull, and you know how it works. Yeah, I know I do. Wife has a little more pull. Happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. Indeed. Uh, so I saw something in baseball. Now, i got to say this, because I didn't get the score right on Sunday night. between, um, And maybe I need summer training as well. But I'm pretty sure, as I'm watching the... By the way, I got sucked into your twins last night. You did? Uh, yeah. I've, they were playing at 2 in the afternoon in an inner well, squad scrimmage. Well, see, I didn't know that. I, I, I was looking through the channel guide, and I saw the White Sox and the, the Cubs the night before. I thought, I want to watch the, the twins. Yeah. Uh, see the competition for my White Sox. <laughs> my. Big fan. White Sox. That's you, the, Roberts, Songer. I wonder if they'll let me in the club. Well, it's not a real big club. There's room is what you're saying? You can probably be the secretary. Uh, but... Uh, so I went over to 668 to watch the Twins and the Braves last night. A little spring training tune-up, a little summer training tune-up. It was a game from last summer for crying. I looked there. They showed the stands. Target feels packed. Knew something was wrong right, when you saw that. Right, and then I looked up in the corner and said classic or oh, something okay. on it. So I went back. I watched some of the Royals, uh, but I mainly watched the uh, the White Sox kick the crap out of you, Darvish, last night. So anyways, back to the, the uh, part of the game that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And again, I think I saw this. So the, the White Sox are just pounding you, Darvish. Yeah, they're just hitting the. He was just not fooling them for uh, they just everything that he threw. They almost knew that it was coming, uh, including uh, Jimenez, who parked the grand slam over the uh, center field wall. I mean, boy, oh boy, they got some power in this lineup. Yes, they do. So it's five zip. They're batting around. All of a sudden. <laughs> The White Sox come off the bases and the Cubs, or they come off the base paths and the Cubs, Cubs leave their position in the field and go into the dugout. Just had enough. The first inning. That was it? No, no three, no three outs. Just, eh, we're good. Let's move on to the second inning. Have you ever seen that? I, well, I haven't watched a ton of spring training games. So maybe it's happened in a spring I, trading game. But, but how do you bet these? How do you allow to oh, bet right. these games if you don't have to have 27 outs? Right. I mean, I, I think there was two out at the time. They, they put up a five spot, I think, without getting an out. I mean, Darvish was just awful early in the game last night. But two outs, and David Ross apparently, and, and I don't know, Renteria and Ross had an agreement that before the game, hey, yeah. if you, you get nine batters and we'll just call it good and move and just, on. Just move on to the next inning. You ever seen that? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I haven't seen that in Little League. Right. It's like a mercy <laughs> rule in the NF, in the uh, MLB for crying out loud. Just really weird. Anyways, um, look, I'm buying stock in this White Sox team. I know you are. You're not alone. I was uh, listening to a piece with Buster Olney yesterday, and he was talking about him, and he said, Across the league, when everybody's talking about their dark horse team or the team off the radar that they really like, he says there are so many people that are in on this White Sox team. The depth that they have. Dallas Keuchel is huge. Yes. Putting him in number two. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Cease, Lopez, those guys can't have ERAs approaching six no, like they did no. last year. Cease was good in an inter-squad game on the weekend, but again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you you struggle to read too much into mm-hmm. that. I love the power. Mm-hmm. One thing that Cappy brought up that we just probably don't talk about enough is defensively some of the concerns yep. that they have there. Anderson at shortstop is average. Okay, Right field, Mazzara is a hack out there. The outfield in general is not very good defensively, and, and because well, of Robert's that, Robert's pretty good. But that—that's they are a below-average defensive team, and they have a below-average, I would say, at least on paper, bullpen at uh-huh. this point. And then you talk about the back end of the rotation, and suddenly hey, you can win a lot of ten-eight games. Uh-huh. Twins did that last year. The Yankees did that last year. You can certainly do that. And you can mash your way into getting in there and getting into the playoffs. But I think there are enough concerns where. I'm not jumping in headfirst like you are with this White Sox team. Think they're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Think they're going to be there. Thirty-one and twenty-nine, thirty-two and twenty. Like, how good do you anticipate they're going? to I be? think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they're going to beat the Twins. Although I think it's going to be closer than you think. I do believe that they will go over the number. Playoff teams in the American League: Yankees, a lock in yes. that division, uh, even with the Rays. I think so. Garrett Cole is so good. Yeah, the Rays got a ton of. They, the Rays are really good and really deep. Uh huh. And that's going to help in this. And if you're shopping for, do you have division odds in front yeah, of you? Yeah, I can find them. Are they um, uh, William Hill or like any of the locals? Are you going offshore to find them? Well, let's see here what we can find. Um, yeah, actually, let me bring up the app because I was actually looking at that and I fired just yesterday on my twins. Mm-hmm. They were minus one thirty. We said one fifty in one of the odds we saw before. I believe that was at DraftKings. Uh, but I'll pull it up here, and it was minus one thirty there. But division yeah, odds. Yeah. I, I remember the Yankees were a huge favorite. Yeah, I'm not good. I I wouldn't bet them. I would take a shot. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go shopping for prices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would bet the Rays. I think. I think I would. Would you probably get them four, I five to one? Maybe even. Well, it depends how short the Yankees are. Right. All right, give me just a second here. I'm because the Red Sox odds. are going to take money, even though they shouldn't. They're one of those brand teams. I put them fourth behind your Blue Jays. Uh, where are my Blue Jays playing? Pittsburgh by the sounds of things. Yeah, which is... Yeah, Pittsburgh, but they want to play in a Major League Park. Odd, uh, right? Uh-huh. Just... Yep, it's going to be. But the whole season is. <laughs> that it is. All right, here we go. Division winners. Uh, let's start with... You want to just go the way we see them in the newspaper? National sure, do American it. League East first. Yep, do it. Yankees minus three hundred five. Mm-hmm. Rays plus three fifty. Mm, Not quite a good of prices I was hoping for on yep. that one. The Red Sox are eight to one. The Blue Jays are twenty seven to one. Well, they can't win. Can't they? No, I mean no. They, they're not going to win that. No, no, no. I, yeah, I was looking for a little bit more on the race, too, but go ahead. All right, let's go to the American League Central. The Twins uh, again. This is at DraftKings minus one thirty. The Indians plus two sixty five, and the White Sox plus two eighty five. Hmm. Hmm. Not a great price. No, a lot of people jumping on their bandwagon. I uh, I told you I threw five bucks on the Royals. They're ninety to one. I had them at a hundred to one to win that one. All right, let's By go. By the way, there's some there's some uh, Royals potential news out there. I'll get to that in a second. Remind uh, me to American League West. Astros a favorite minus one fifty five. I, I kind of like the A's. Are they how far? Where are plus the A's? Plus two thirty. Not a great price, nope. and a lot of people jumping on that. And you know what the thing AJ is? AJ Puck, did you see the yes, verdict again? again. God. And he cut his hair. He did? Yes, cut his hair. Didn't help. No. <laughs> Angels plus 550. Mm. Otani was good last time yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. 
You said yesterday, can he stay healthy? Rangers at 16 to 1. New ball they made park. a lot of moves. No, I don't like them. Nah, 16 to 1 is too much. All right, let's jump over to the National League. This thing's wide open the East. Oh, it is. Totally and wide open. You have four teams all bunched together. The Braves are the favorite plus 215. The Nats at 5 to 2 plus 250. Mm-hmm. The Mets plus 275 and the Phillies plus 325. I might take a shot at the Mets. I think the Braves, even though they are the favorite still at getting better than mm-hmm. plus 2 to 1 money. I think I'd probably go there in that one. National League Central. Well, here's my other sleeper team. They're not a sleeper anymore. Cincy? Cincinnati is the second choice now. Are they really? In the National League Central. The Cubs are the favorite, plus 225, plus 230 for the Reds, 240 for the Cardinals, and the Brewers, 325. Mm. They got Yelich. He throw that team on his back. Yeah, he can. He can. Lorenzo Cain still patrolling center field. He'll rob a couple of home runs. Heard some buzz for Hater MVP because did you and Cy Young both of those look in that direction because numbers are not going to look the same for starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something, boy, look at the numbers that Haters put up. Maybe this is your reliever. Who was the last reliever that won it? It was oh, the Padres guy. What? Was it Randy Myers? Was that the guy's name? That was Randy yeah. Myers. Was the relief pitcher for the Padres? So way early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Something. Uh, like what that. are the Dodgers? The Dodgers are absolutely huge. You're right, minus seven fifteen to so, win the division. That's crazy. You want to win hundred? You got to bet seven fifteen. Your Padres are plus seven fifty. You got a lot of teams. <laughs> yes, I do. The Padres. How about the Diamondbacks at nine to one? Not to win the division. I might look at them to make the playoffs. I like the D backs and of course Bumgarner coming there. They made a lot of good moves. Mm-hmm. I, I like that team. I might take a look at them and see the price to make the playoffs. In fact, I got that tab right here. Only plus two fifteen though for them to make the playoffs. Uh Nate Bolton coming up. Just real quick on the on the Royals. I saw some Twitter chatter last night, and there seems to be some momentum behind this. That the Royals are thinking of moving to downtown Kansas City. Oh, really? Leaving Kaufman. Because uh-huh. the thought process is behind the game. And when you think about it, or is behind the, the, the venue itself. You know, when, you, when the Royals game is over, when the Twins game is over, mm-hmm. pick, pick your team. Yeah. You go across the street to a bar. It's great. It's great, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go to that bar because there's bars all over the mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Leave the leave the leave uh, the K. Where do you do? You go sit in the parking lot. And that's pretty much it. That's it, There's right? A, there is a sports bar, quote unquote, close to there. It is a dump. I, you know what? Once. I couldn't. I have no idea where you're referring to. It and is. I've been to a lot of games there. Oh boy, how far away would that be? And I mean, it's probably a mile and a half walk, I guess, from there. But huh. it is. It's not a place you'd probably normally hang out, and certainly not the sports bar you'd used to. No, you're exactly right. So you're talking Power and Light District area? Well, no, downtown Kansas downtown City. Downtown KC, okay. And there, and I guess there's a, a lot of momentum behind it. Um, the Chiefs would gladly pick up the, mm-hmm. the space. But it's a beautiful stadium. Nah, it's not, there's no shovel in the ground. You know, they're not posing with the, with the hard hats on, the politicians and mm-hmm. the silver shovel just yet, but that's something to keep in mind. Nate Bolton next. We'll take a time out. Uh, before we do that, uh, KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword bills to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's bills to 200-200. Text phone. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, a legal conversation with Nate Bolton next. Might the Hawks be forced to write that check to Northern Iowa, to Northern Illinois? We'll find out what Nate Bolton thinks. Also going to get into the latest from the uh, uh, name, image, and likeness that at least the first draft 
I don't think that's going to fly. We'll come back with Nate Bolton, Miller and Condon, till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 10. Your favorite shows. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. When we have a legal matter that we need some clarity on, we go to our friend Nate Bolton. He's an Iowa State Senator. He's also uh, Hedberg and Bolton, attorneys downtown on Court Avenue. And Nate joins us. We're going to do name, image, and likeness, uh, some of the stuff that's making its way through. Of course, it was uh, at least for a time on the floor in the legislature here during the latest session. We want to start with force majeure. Nate Bolton joins us. Nate, uh, good to speak with you. Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. Um, how you been, first of all? Uh, doing great. Some uh, some really interesting, fun topics today. Yes. So so this came up yesterday during the show, and you know we both kind of Trent looked at me, and I looked at him and shrugged <laughs> my shoulders, and knew that we were going to reach out to you very quickly. So there's some talk, Nate, that. Uh, for instance, the commissioner of the MAC, I believe there was an article last week uh, that he said that, you know, he still feels like even though I was not going to play the game against Northern Illinois and then likewise David Harris at UNI, the UNI game has been uh, canceled this year, um, that he feels that perhaps potentially that the these that Iowa and other schools like them are going to have to live up to the contractual agreement to pay them for that game and specifically if they can't if they play a game on the date that the originally scheduled game was canceled because it wasn't safe to play football um force majeure comes into things we turn to you yeah a really interesting question and you know, it kind of gets infused into the, the political debate of just how serious COVID-19 is and, and what is the true force of nature here. So um, force majeure is a, is a major force, is a, the literal translation. So this is uh, something that's infused in a lot of these contracts to allow for an exception for the game to be played and any penalty on any party for a completely out-of-control circumstance. Um, it's come up in, in the hurricane situations. You know, a hurricane either threatens a city or has, has wiped out a venue. Um, obviously, we don't require you to play the game in a destroyed facility, and we don't penalize any party for not showing up and playing. So, so it takes some, some kind of major event happening to, to trigger those force majeure clauses it ultimately really comes down to what the parties have in their contractual agreement. Some of these contracts kind of offer a laundry list of things that, that they expect to, to you know, nullify any obligation on the parties. Some of them leave it fairly broad. Some put the authority in a government entity to declare a disaster. We have a lot of different things that, that could trip um, an exception to performance under a contract. And in, in this case, um, there are a number of, of topics, even if it's not specifically mentioned as, you know, an outbreak of disease or a, a national disaster or a state disaster, can even, can even come into play like impracticality of the contract or frustration of purpose. Um, the, the part of the reason why a team is willing to pay 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars for an opponent to come play a game is that they can sell tickets to that game and, of course, hopefully chalk up a win while they're doing it. The purpose is frustrated if you can't sell tickets. Uh, the, that revenue is missing to be able to share it with the opponent. So, so there are a lot of different things that, that can, can come up here. I think it's going to be very difficult for a team that, that is not able to receive its payday from one of these contracts to actually force another side to pay. Mm. Interesting. All right, Nate Bolton joining us, Hedberg and Bolton, as we take a look at the legal side of the sports world. Nate, you mentioned uh, about what's happening with COVID, liabilities, and this can pertain to the college level, putting student-athletes out there on the field. What type of discourse happens for the university at the high school level? You have high school athletes, and they contract COVID, and something happens eventually down the road for them. When you're looking at these big-picture items, away from the professional sports where they have unions and everything else, high school, college, the players, what happens? Liability waivers, I know that's been talked about a lot. What ultimately comes back to the schools with these athletic events? So you have that blurred line of, you know, athletics and, and educational um, institutions where you essentially have the, the school in local parentis, in place of the parents, to take care of minors, uh, of, of individuals that are trusted by that school district or educational institution with their care. And so that, that school is going to have a heightened level of responsibility to do things to protect that, that student-athlete from an extracurricular activity that poses undue risk. So it's a tough spot for a school district to say we're going to go ahead and pursue, you know, uh, an athletic season knowing the prevalence of this this virus that's out there and knowing, you know, while we have limited knowledge of its its current, you know, most immediate impacts, what its long-term implications can be. That's something that we just don't really understand about coronavirus yet is what, what does it mean to someone who was infected this year in 20 years? That's does right. It have long-term effects mm-hmm. on lung capacity, on, on circulatory systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the X factor here that, that I think is being missed as you start to consider opening things up further, especially having student-athletes on field getting exposed to, to a virus in stadiums with or without fans. Um, there are some very tough questions here. And as you point out, if we don't have a, a professional organization on the other side, like a labor union, to negotiate terms and conditions of employment, it's really difficult for that institution or that school to just dictate all the terms for that student-athlete to follow. And that's that's where that, that disproportionate bargaining power is going to be a major factor in the consequences of the decisions made. <laughs> So, Nate, what about, because I think Ohio State was one, um, I don't have a list of schools that have asked their asked student-athletes to sign some sort of a waiver before before beginning practice. I, I know that there's at least a handful of schools that have gone down that road. Is that worth the paper that it's written on? <laughs> well, again, you look at the disproportionate bargaining power, right? It's going to be a take-it-or-leave-it offer to that student-athlete. Do you want to play? Well, you have to sign off on this waiver to do it. What do you get out of the waiver? Just the ability to play. What does the institution get out of that waiver? You get to play. We get to sell tickets. We get to 
to have television revenue. When we're talking about those major college sports, there's a lot to gain from the institution. So, I mean, you don't begrudge a, a university to have waivers signed just in case they are enforceable. But I, I think it's going to be a tough argument to say an educational institution in charge, charged with the, the safety and security of a student that's there for educational purposes, not just athletic purposes. Uh, I think it's it's pretty thin ice to be on if you're going to count on these waivers holding up long term. Hmm. Nate, as uh, as much money as the NFL has, as much uh, money that they'll be they could throw at legal minds, there's no force majeure contract. Believe it or not, in the uh, <laughs> uh, in the collective bargaining agreement. Um, look, I get it. It's, yeah. a one, it's an every hundred year pandemic that we're in right now. But boy, doesn't that seem like an egregious error that they forgot to uh, to insert that in any contract that they have with the players? Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But but if you really think about it, when you have true force majeure events happening, it's usually pretty obvious to every party that the relationship has to change, the terms of the contract have to change. Like I said, the the example of you know, a stadium being destroyed by a hurricane. We know we're not going to expect both teams to show up and play in a disaster site. Those types of things are what you really think about in force majeure. It it usually is something that's pretty obvious to both sides that we can't really continue this contract. But even without that in there in in a contract, there are certain principles of contract law that that still can apply, and that's the frustration of purpose or impracticality of performance where it, it no longer makes sense for the parties to continue their contractual relationship under these terms, under these circumstances. And that's when, when you have, you know, disaster declarations that are happening, when you have, you know, the things that we have at the magnitude that, that we're seeing play out right now, it's going to be a tough thing to walk into a courtroom with a straight face and say, we expect the other side of this bargain to fulfill its obligations despite the circumstances. This, this is a pretty serious event, and um, we're, we're going to see, I think, a lot of things change as we go. Nate, final thing from me. Uh, over to the University of Iowa, the football program. A few weeks back, it felt like Robert T. Green was uh, getting together a group of former players and possibly getting in line to put together some kind of class action lawsuit with the racial inequity that was inside the football program, it's been talked about a lot. On a legal sense, what kind of recourse do these former players have, of if any, looking back and maybe the case that it felt like they were putting together here a few weeks back? So, um, again, you have two different kind of tracks that, that, that come up here in terms of uh, discrimination or harassment um, in, in college athletics. First, you have the track that this is an educational extracurricular activity. You're interfering with someone's right to education, including those extracurricular activities that go with an education. So, so there's, there's a cause of action there. Separate from that is this kind of quasi-employment setting where, you know, it, it, for the University of Iowa's football program or Iowa State, it, for many intents and purposes, can be considered minor league football. It's it's my gateway to the major leagues in in that sport. Uh, now you're interfering with my employment prospects in the future by how you're handling my ability to participate in college athletics. It's an interesting question that we haven't had very clear answers to, but 
but that that frustration of of my um, potential employability, and we're talking about potential very lucrative employability, um, is, is something that that is, is going to be a an interesting question to have answered of how far that extends into decisions made by an athletic department, by a coaching staff that affect an individual player's potential earning capacity. Uh, Nate, I know you teach classes on law. If you ever get to a, a part of the lesson where how not to be a lawyer, um, just <laughs> f- follow Robert T. Green's <laughs> work. Boy, he's been, uh, it's, it's been tough. Hey, Nate, listen, I wish we yeah. had more time. We could do name, image, and likeness with you, and we will in the future because uh, there's always legal issues, and we always turn to you when we appreciate that we can. Thank you, Nate Bolton. Appreciate it. Yep, enjoyed it, guys. Take Thank care. you. Good to talk to you, Nate Bolton. Uh, as uh, we talk some legal situations that have arisen, think you're going to have to write the check. Nate doesn't. I don't I, see, so. I don't think they are either. No, no. There, there's it's a freaking pandemic. Right, right. And you're talking about one, just one little factor of a contract that has a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You can point to. The, look at this. We we have the act of God. Yes, but we also have this, this, and this. And the recourse. But like I said yesterday, I think that Northern Illinois has, a, at the very least, understand it. We're not going to, you know, try to hold you down and go after you legally. But David Hare, I loved your game. But, but let's, let's add a game here in 2024. And right. for you and I, it's fine. Spot on. And let's also make sure we get that home and home basketball series. Mm. And maybe it's just a, a two off kind of series, but you're coming back to Cedar Falls. Put the pressure on a little bit. I think it's a great idea. We will talk to Frank Schwab next NFL conversation. As we continue on here, Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And one of... Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. A little NFL music as we switch to NFL conversation. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. If you're a fan of the NFL, Frank is up to team number 12 as he counts down from 32. The Vikings have made an appearance. The Bears have made an appearance. The Broncos have made an appearance. Packers haven't yet. No. No, they have not. Let's get Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports in here. Frank, Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Frank Schwab? Doing well, doing well. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Uh, it's funny what the uh, when you NFL uh, owners get backed into a corner as the players did on Sunday uh, with an orchestrated social media. I don't want to call it an attack, but they certainly uh, blasted them, uh, and it uh, precipitated getting things done. We now have. Uh, some guidelines to get these uh, training camps open. And by the sounds of things, no preseason games, Frank Schwab. But it's funny, the NFL players had the power and they used it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it was, it was so it just dumb to me why the preseason became this thing to fight over. And I really, truly believe that, like, the NFL owners are just so used to battling the players on every single little thing that they didn't even think about. It's just... The, the the players could ask for like you know clean uniforms and they'd be like no laundry detergent costs a lot like I mean it's just it's their natural instinct so when the players are like no we don't want preseason the NFL has to like dig in on two preseason games not even gonna be any fans in the stands right. what's the point like I get it like you want to evaluate your roster and it really stinks for you know undrafted guys this year and the late round draft picks and all that kind of stuff but 
it just seemed like a really, really weird hill to die on for the NFL. And for them to give this, uh, you know, and everybody cynically kind of says, well, okay, they they gave up on the preseason, but what are they getting back from the players? This should have just been, this should be, of all times, this shouldn't be a, a labor negotiation. This shouldn't be, well, we gave up this, you give up this. It should be, let's work in concert to figure out how to get this season uh, done safely, finished, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's it's just weird that this is becoming some battle because the NFL should have been way out in front of this and not communicating with the players is just their M.O. They don't view the players as partners in this $15 billion business. They view them almost as adversaries, and I've always found that to be strange. And I think that that's what led to like some of these really weird you know, stories we've seen in the past couple of weeks about not communicating protocols not giving in on the preseason, all this stuff. They're just so, again, it's just a culture to say, whatever the players ask for, we're going to push back on it because they will not give them any inch at any point, no matter the circumstances. There's continued back and forth uh, going on as it pertains to what needs to be done with the money, talking about putting, what, 35% in escrow. The players are not standing for that. But there's a very real possibility that the amount of money that comes in is not going to be what was anticipated, obviously, with not the same number of people in the stands. If we get anybody in the stands this season, just how contentious is this going to be? The labor deal is in place for a long time, but certainly another back and forth. It just is not a good look for this league. No, and, you know, I, I do think it's going to get really weird going forward, like you said. I mean, there there was a figure thrown out there, I think by Forbes or somebody, that without fans on the stands, the NFL is going to lose $5.5 billion in revenue. And whether we can, you know, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but let, let's all agree it's a lot of money, right? Like, I mean, whether it's $2 billion or $8 billion or whatever, it's a lot of money. Well, the owners aren't just going to eat that. The, the salary cap is based on big revenue, and if revenue goes down by... 20%, the salary cap's got to go down 20%, or 30%. Salary cap's got to go down 30%. Some of these teams who are leveraged already on the salary cap, what are they going to do? What Are you going to be cutting the J.J. Watt just to get under the salary cap? Like, the NFL doesn't want that. The players don't want that. So it's going to be really, really difficult for for them to – to come up with a, a solution to all this going forward, not just this year. I think that, you know, this year is going to kind of probably work itself out, hopefully. But in upcoming years, this isn't going away. This isn't some, if we get through the 2020 season, fine type of deal. This is something that's going to have a long-ranging impact. And again, it goes back to the, the lack of a relationship, partnership between the players and the owners. Well, that's going to make this even more difficult where, you know, it's, it's not going to be a, the owners are eating all this, and the salary cap's going to go up to $240 million next year. That's not going to happen, but what, what does happen? I don't know, and I think this is, this is a multi-year thing. This isn't just the, the battle of 2020. Uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports is our guest. Frank, uh, you, you mentioned the, uh, the undrafted, the late-round draft, uh, late draft picks and how they might be up against it this year, but how about um, you know, like a Joe Burrow who didn't have any OTAs, yeah. uh, those, those type of guys. I look at you know, the team I root for and I'm really excited about Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, but how will the, it's it's difficult for rookies most years? How is it going to be for you know if you're counting on in, in the Broncos case uh, those two guys to really make a, a huge impact offensively in Drew Locke's second year? But guys at the top of the uh, draft are uh, somewhat have a tough hill in front of them as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I logically think so, right? Like uh, you know, you're a rookie, you're not in there. 
every single day in OTAs, running through routes and all that. But uh, we do have kind of a precedent for this. It's 2011. Uh, that was a labor stoppage. We didn't even have the Zoom meetings, right? Like, it was just, you're gone. You're and, and they didn't come to an agreement before, right before training camp. And you look back at that season. Cam Newton had a record-setting rookie season as a quarterback. Andy Dalton started for the Bengals, led his team to the playoffs. We had a ton of receivers that year, have really big rookie years. And I was a great rookie class. Julio Jones was in there, a couple other guys. And, you know, sometimes talent just wins out. So maybe we're overrating the the whole, like, you haven't been around in OTAs all summer, mm-hmm. maybe not going to have preseason games. I, I, you just look back at 2011 and, you know, you – the, the, you know, the narrative you're going to hear a lot. It's, oh, the teams who have been, uh, they have continuity. They're going to, no, it was the same kind of turnover as, as it was playoff-wise in 2011 as, as a normal season. So I, I just wonder if, you know, these coaches just, and they, they push this agenda because they just, they're paranoid about every single minute of the day spending with their football teams, that every single practice is just absolutely golden and you need it. Maybe it's not. Maybe we don't give these guys enough credit where Joe Burrow could come in and, and be pretty well-versed in the NFL world and, and play at a high level or or Tua or Justin Herbert or whoever it's going to be. Tua is a different deal because I don't know if he's going to be able to show he's healthy, but I, I just wonder if we overrate that because again, you go back to 2011, which is the closest comp we have to this, Rookies did just fine, and it, it, it played out almost like a normal NFL season. But, yeah, I mean, there's obvious challenges just logically, but I think we sometimes don't give these players enough credit for being ready. We uh, were joking a little bit earlier with no preseason games that that's what ultimately comes to pass here, as it sounds like it's going to. Just how ugly week one is going to look. Now, I don't care how ugly it is. I'm still going to be watching. I'm still going to be excited for football. Speaking of overstating things, though, are we maybe overstating how ugly week one would look without preseason games? Look, college football doesn't have preseason. There's some ugly ones. There's also some great games in week one. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that there's been a movement. I think the younger coaches, Matt Nagy, uh, Sean McVay comes to mind. Uh, some of these newer coaches don't play their starters at all in the preseason. They they just say, well, you know what? It's just not worth it. We're, we could practice in a controlled environment. We can get ready, and if there's going to be some kind of uh, you know a rusty period in the first half of week one, that's worth the gamble to not get jerk off hurt or you know whoever. Khalil Mack, you know, so I think that again, these these teams can practice, they can get ready. We they're they're the highest level professionals possible. Are there going to be some ugly games? Yeah, there's ugly games every year in week one, but and we'll retrofit the narrative, right? We'll be like, oh, that Cleveland Browns lost forty six to sixteen or whatever they lost to the Titans last year. They lost forty six sixteen because they didn't have training camp. Whereas we'll have a great week one game and just kind of ignore that <laughs> preseason game. With that, I think it's going to be better than people think. I, I don't think it's going to be this awful, you know, yeah, it'll take some adjustment period for some guys, but again, these are the highest level professionals, and they'll be practicing, their coaches will be smart, and we'll see We'll see teams look a reasonable facility of what they would have had we had a full four-game preseason. Uh, have you heard any uh, news regarding hard knocks? I know that they're doing the, the uh, joint teams this year, but there's no preseason games to follow them to as, uh, as they've had. I mean, they've got to change their script from the last uh, decade or so, which might not necessarily be a bad thing. But is hard knocks still going forward, Frank, uh, with the access to the you know the players and the coaches that they've been given and we as fans have certainly enjoyed? Have you heard anything how they're going to handle that? Yeah, and I, I mean, the last I heard, Sean McVay over the weekend in an interview where he was kind of complaining about hard knocks. So I think it's still a go. Still the same I mean, then. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I, I think that I think it's going to happen, but I, I find it. Look, I, of all the seasons to to just say we don't really need. Yeah. There are however many, I don't even know how many people, to be honest, off the top of my head are from NFL Films are around doing that stuff. We don't need these extra people around this year. Maybe we just give Hard Knocks a rest for a year. This will be the season to do it, but we'll see. I mean, it is a very, very popular show. I'm sure NFL Films, HBO, NFL wants to do it, even if the teams don't. So we'll see. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be odd either way, but everything is odd this year. And I'd, I'd actually be very interested. I, I mean, of all the things, like, you know, Hard Knocks would end up being like a Here's how teams dealt with with COVID and mm-hmm. uh, testing, and uh, here's you know here's the, the whatever bubble they're in, and what, you know whatever the social distancing. So I'd be actually be interested in that aspect of it, and we'll see. I, I just I, I think the NFL at some point, and they're kind of coming around to this, is going to have to move off of its stance of everything's normal, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be typical. We'll get through this. I think they're going to have to make some concessions. Preseason, and it took them forever to kind of concede that no, preseason isn't going to happen as usual. But they haven't conceded that with hard knocks or the season opener. There's going to be some concessions along the way that, hey, this isn't a normal season. And maybe hard knocks is part of that. Maybe it's not. It's going to be very interesting to see. So I saw something, and I think there's, what, four teams over the last two decades that haven't made an appearance in the AFC-NFC championship game. It was the Lions. It was teams you'd anticipate. (laughs) But the one that surprised me was the Washington Redskins because for me growing up, I'm 40, this was a proud organization. Daniel Snyder has changed that and taken it completely the other way. The name's going to change, and with it, what has happened with all these allegations that came from the Washington Post, just a terrible look. Ultimately, comes back to Daniel Snyder, though there is no allegations against him. It's his organization it feels different than Donald Sterling and the Clippers in the NBA here five, six years back. But does the NFL have the power to say, you know what, we've had enough of this guy. It's time to move on. Mm. Uh, they do have the power to, but I don't see it happening here. And that's, look, I mean, it's it's kind of like, I feel like if you say uh, Daniel Snyder doesn't, it shouldn't have his billion-dollar franchise taken away from him over this, you're condoning what happened, which I'm obviously not. But I think this is different to Donald Sterling. It is different to Jerry Richardson. Daniel Snyder, from all accounts, wasn't personally involved. Should he have had better oversight? Of course. I mean, this stuff has been, I mean, it's not new. It's not totally, uh, oh my God, something's happening with the Washington franchise. Now, we've known that, that there's been a culture problem there for a while. But does it reach the level of, we need to strip this guy of his team? I don't know, just because he wasn't personally involved. I mean, we have to kind of, I think we do have to remove our, our kind of distaste of Daniel Snyder as an owner. Uh, you know, would would Washington fans want him out of there? Yeah, of course. He's been a terrible owner. I mean, it, like you said, they haven't won anything in decades now. But does that, does that kind of color our, our views of what happened with the allegations of sexual harassment within the organization? And I, I think it might. I think, it, look, I mean, if we're just talking about Daniel Snyder here, whether he deserves to lose, again, his franchise that he bought uh, is worth more than a billion dollars. I don't know if it reaches that level. Again, not going to know anything. It's terrible. It's wrong. He's got to make a lot of changes, and he's on the spot now. I mean, he's now, look, he's on the clock. Like, this happens again, yeah, I think we can revisit this discussion. But I don't think right now it's to the level of we need to take Daniel Snyder's team away. Now, does he need to take his team take it away because he's a horrible owner and that Washington team is never going to win anything because he's meddling and and, and kind of bad with, with, with it may, you know, forcing football decisions that football guys don't want to make? Yeah, of course. But it's just not realistic. It's that. 
that part's not going to happen, and I'm not sure that the allegations in the Washington Post are enough to get him out of there. You convinced that uh, September 10th is a Thursday? That'll be this kickoff of the season? You convinced we get to that point, Frank? I'm not sure, and I, I again, I've been saying this a lot, just because it makes logical sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think we could just, if your answer to whether the NBA and Major League Baseball still playing on September 10th aligns with the answer to whether the NFL is going to kick off at a 98, 99% clip. I mean, think about it logically. If Major League Baseball and the NBA are still playing on September 10th, the NFL is going to say, yeah, sure, of course we're playing. These te- these these leagues have pulled it off, we're going to pull it off. If the NBA or Major League Baseball or NHL or NASCAR or whatever, if they have to shut down because they've had so many cases. Like, we've heard that now the NBA, the guys in the bubble from the past, there's yeah. no positive cases. Let's say, though, it gets out of control and, like, three-quarters of the league gets it and they have to shut down the season. I don't see any way the NFL can logically say, yes, we're going to play. We don't care. The NFL, yeah, the NBA had to shut down because 75 or whatever percent of the league, whatever would cause the, them to cancel their season. I, I don't see how the NFL could could you know, humanely say, "Yeah, we're going to send these players into play." I, I just so I think whatever happens, especially with baseball and basketball and other sports too, I think that that aligns a hundred almost a hundred percent with what's going to happen with the NFL. That's why we need to really watch these sports closely. Major League Baseball, the travel, I think that that's a different deal for them. Me too. And I, I think that I, I just think if you think this through. Whatever happens with those sports are going to happen in football, one way or another. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. He's up to team number 12. Has yours been uh, chronicled yet? There's 12 of them that haven't been. Frank, great stuff. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Absolutely appreciate it. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Frank Schwab on the NFL. Your Bears came after the Vikings. That's a shocker. I was surprised, too. I was surprised, too. No Packers yet. Uh, Miller and Condon, an hour to go. We're going to start uh, the hour with baseball conversation. Zuba Mahente in 25 minutes. It's 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.